So uh, I, saw, I saw the Angry Birds movie yesterday, which I will be talking about on Film Week uh, later this week on Friday. And you said you heard some people say it was funny. You know, there was a huge... Now, wait, did you go to the premiere in Westwood? No. Because there was a premiere in Westwood where uh-huh. they made... You know that street where Diddy Reese Cookies is? Yes. You know, with the, the BJ's uh, Sure, right next, to, right next to Gypsy Cafe. Oh, love that place. Love it. They cordoned off that whole street, and they turned it into a giant Angry Birds yeah, that's screen. Great. That's fantastic. And it was awesome. Good. Wonderful. Yeah, so you know people who said it was it was funny. Yeah, well, I'll check on Rotten okay. Tomatoes right now, because, and we'll see what it has. Because I, I, I'm serious. I sat there for the duration of the 97-some-odd minutes. I think I left with like three minutes left of credits, because I, I, could, I couldn't take it anymore. Uh, it's not well. It's got a sixty-three percent, so it's it's dropped. <laughs> it's it's not funny. And I was in a theater filled with kids, filled with kids, tons of kids. Normally, when you go to see a movie, uh, one of those Saturday morning family animated deals where everybody brings their kids, uh, you get one of either two reactions or some combination thereof, which is either the kids are laughing and screaming and they're loving it and crawling all over each other and grabbing for each other's popcorn. Or you hear intermittent weeping because something has scared the bejesus out of them. So this is, but th- honestly, this room was dead. It was dead. There was no weeping. There was no wailing. There was no gnashing of teeth. No crying. No screaming. No laughing. No nothing. Nothing. It was just a dead room, and it was utterly unfunny. And uh, it has a great opening set piece, which is a lot of fun. And then as soon as the dialogue starts, it just it falls with a big thud and never really recovers. And I, there's one joke in it. There's one, one line that I thought was funny. And I think I was the only person that laughed at that one. But, uh, man, it's not good. Josh Gad is the only saving grace. Here's the, you know what, you know what of the, the voice talent? Is there one that sticks out to you where you go, huh, that's interesting in an animated film? Is there what, one? what animated film, except for like Robin Williams in Aladdin, where you go, oh my God, this is perfect. What, what animated film has had that recently? Well, I'm not saying that. There's one name in the voice cast for Angry Birds that should make you go, huh, that's interesting. Uh, Peter Dinklage. No. That, would, that makes complete sense. He's actually quite good. Sean no. Penn. Yeah. Now, get this. And, and I'm, I have no qualms about spoiling this. There's no reason for Sean Penn to have voiced... The character he, he voices. He voices, you know, the, the big, the, you know, in the game, the, the great big fat heavy red bird that just is there to knock things down. Okay. He voices one of those. He voices that guy. So he, basically. He huh? has no dialogue. Not a single word. Sean Penn says nothing. Here's what he does. Here's, here's the extent of Sean Penn's voice contribution to this film. He growls. That's it. Well, that's like on The Simpsons when Maggie finally spoke in a flashback or something. It was Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah. But Maggie didn't actually say a word. I think she said daddy. That was it. So Elizabeth Taylor, who was like the recluse who never acted and whatever, she's finally doing The Simpsons. Oh, my God. This is going to be great. And in the end, she says one word. He he grunts. That's it. Anyone That's comedy. Anyone can grunt and growl. So essentially, they paid Sean Penn one would presume probably seven figures to con- purely just so they could market his name above the title or, or, or on, the, uh, on, the, on the billing block. That's crazy. Yes, because Sean Penn will get adults who normally would never see a film like yeah. that to maybe consider it because it's got sure. Sean Penn in it. There, there, yeah, I'm sure there's someone out there who's going to look at this and go, Angry Bird's not really, oh, Sean Penn? The two-time Academy Award winner? Well, maybe this movie is, is not what I think. Or maybe... Maybe, the, maybe, maybe there's some real thespian quality to those birds. No, or no. the adults will be less annoyed that they have to go. Yeah, I guess. Can we talk about movies? Yes, let's do it. So, um, have you seen anything that you would like, by the way? Um, I've only seen Money Monster, yeah, which made hate- me very angry. Yeah, you hated it. But I am seeing The Nice Guys on Wednesday. I'm seeing it tomorrow morning. What? Mm-hmm. Oh, cause, cause is that because is that the? Um, well, that's is that because the email that I forwarded? Yeah, you? yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you you alerted me to it, and so I uh, I contacted people at Warner's, and I said, I want to come Monday morning. Okay, we'll put you on the list. So I'm going to go out to Warner Brothers at a horrible hour of the morning. and uh, No, no, no. That, that ti- at that time of the morning, what, when is it? It's at 11. At that time of the morning, there'll be no traffic. Well, Not going north. Okay, it's like this. So it's at 11. Um, it takes about it, – it, it, once you get to the po- – well, it, okay. So it's at 11. It takes at least uh, 10 minutes to walk from the parking structure to screening room 4. So get, make it 15 minutes if you want to get there a little bit early, you know, pass through security and the whole thing. And then it could take upwards of 10, you know, around 10 minutes to find a parking spot in that gigantic structure that's across the street. So you got to give yourself at least 25 minutes before. So I got to get to the structure around 1030, let's say, to be safe. And uh, that means I got to leave at about 9.30, so that means 9.30 a.m. traffic on the way to Burbank is going to be hell. It'll be fine. It, it won't be. I, for years, suck. I lived in Santa Monica and worked in Burbank, and it was fine. All right. So. Talk about movies. Talking about movies. Uh, you know what? Here, Mark, this is... <laughs> I saved this so that you could see... Uh, here we go. I have I have um, restored everything to its original swag condition because I want you to experience what I experienced. What is this, Mark? What is this? Well, have we ever received a DVD in that condition, a Blu-ray in that condition? What is it? Well, it's an this, evidence bag. Oh, it's an evidence bag. And it says, uh, do not use this bag for any evidence that was... That has wet, damp body fluids on it. Oh. To seal the bag, peel off release liner, then seal bag by pressing down on glue okay. line. All right, do so it. So it's an actual evidence bag. It's an actual evidence bag. So there's some police activity going on here. It's an evidence. Oh, you, you, you never opened it. No, 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 no. I sealed it up again. Come on, here, here. Open it up. Open it up. Well, just tear it open. Tear it open. Do whatever you got to do. There you go. Okay. Wait, how'd you, how'd you reseal this? Uh, with great difficulty. I'm just doing so. this. That. Seriously? <laughs> Wait, was, is, is it, how did you? You didn't open this up and reseal it, did you? Yeah, how did well, you do that? Yeah, this well, will never be seen again. Because okay. What DVD could this be? What Blu-ray could this be? It's Dirty Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst movie ever made. It's got all sorts of stuff in it. It's got, and all uh, the, it has a Trustex condom in it. Oh my god! It's got a. Um, it's got a. It's got a <sighs> bottle of pills. Dirty Grandpa's Unrated Dick's Little Helpers Performance Enhancers, 50 milligrams, 100 tablets. I'm sure these are Tic Tacs or something. It's the worst. That's that. It's got a bra. Mm-hmm. I guess some sort of like, you know, spring break college yeah. girls bra. Yeah. And it's got the uh, Blu-ray of uh, Dirty Grandpa. So there's a, there's a tremendous amount, not a huge amount, obviously, but there's a certain amount of expense and effort that went into dressing this thing up, as it were. Just so that someone in our position, could get the thrill of opening up and going, oh, dirty grandpa. Well, they threw us a bra and a condom and some fake pills in an evidence bag. I can't possibly say anything bad about it now yes, with all can. that wonderful swag. No, yes, I can. This film's terrible. Um, this, is the, this, is, this is appallingly horrible. Now, um, the reason that this is so upsetting to me in particular is not just because the movie is terrible, which it is, but Zac Efron being in it, I also have to review Neighbors 2 on Friday. I heard that's not bad. Really? Yeah. Because the first is just dreadful. I know. I heard it's not bad. The first is horrendous. In fact, because I'm in a, uh, a I'm Rotten hoping, state of mind. Let's see. Because, you know, the, the, the difference here, it's the same team, except that uh, Zach and, and uh, Evan Goldberg went and uh, actually were involved in writing the script this time. They just produced last time and obviously, you know... Uh, acted. But the... Uh, I, boy, well, anyway... Uh, so Dirty Grandpa, unrated. Oh, well, that certainly makes it better. Uh, this thing also has a gag reel, which is not funny. Here's the deal, basically. So Zach Efron is a, just, a, just a nice young guy getting ready to get married and have a nice career and, and really just become a straight-laced office type guy. And then his grandpa, who has just lost his wife, decides that now he's, he's a single guy again and he wants to go... Uh, down and have a wild hooting weekend in uh, Fort Lauderdale, spring break, and just have at it. Now, and so, of course, the whole idea, as you might imagine, is Grandpa isn't really down there to loosen up. He's down there to loosen up his grandson, Zach Efron, who he thinks is about to make a horrible mistake by marrying the wrong woman and da 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 and all this stuff. So 
but this winds up going into bad Santa territory, and not in a good way. And that's what's so sad is because the guy that wrote this has now been hired to write Bad Santa too, and that's not good. This is this goes so far beyond like enjoyable bad taste. It's just nasty and it's gross and it's unfunny and it really uh, it it's it's like Robert De Niro just said. Okay, I uh, now what am I going to do with my reputation? I know. Why don't I just like wad it up and throw it in the gutter? Yeah, it's destroyed. It's destroyed. The, the, he he must have no sense of self no sense of. Self-awareness. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Is it so destroyed that it cannot be restored? by a $50 million bidding war at the Cannes Film Festival? Oh, for the Irishman. For the Irishman. Well, that's done now. STX That's guy. done. STX, of all people, uh, which is a new studio, for those that don't know. STX is, a, is, a, is, is Robert Simon, this veteran producer. He created a new studio some years ago. and, um, and they, But they haven't really done much. They haven't done much. He's basically been loading up the relationships, getting a lot of you know lines of credit, a lot of cash to buy and make movies. And then they made their first big move when Relativity went into bankruptcy. And a lot of those Relativity films kind of were suddenly – Relativity needed some quick cash. They jumped in there and they bought a whole ton of Relativity titles and just took them off their hands. So they have something of a slate now. They released like two movies and they haven't done really, really terribly well. But, but you know, The Irishman could be – I mean, look – if that thing can win Best Picture, suddenly you're a Best Picture winning company. Yeah, but that's the, but that budget's a hundred million dollars. It's crazy. That's too, way too much. That's a hundred million dollar move. But they just made fifty million back. The Irishman literally has made back half its budget for its investors with a single domestic sale. That yeah. that is something that doesn't even happen on ten million dollar independent movies. This is now a one hundred million dollar big budget movie. And it's made half its budget back just with a, a single domestic sale. That's incredible. I mean, it's it's a, it, for its investors, maybe not for its distributors, but for its investors, that's a money winner. Well, here's what they've had so far: The Gift, which yeah. was a terrific film that mm-hmm. did well. Okay, yeah. uh, Secret in, Secret in Their Eyes, which I understand why they picked that up, just based on the on the uh, cast alone. Yeah, it didn't did okay, not that great. The Boy, wow, with a budget of ten million, made sixty four million. Yeah. And that's a that's a good low budget uh, kicker. And then Hardcore Henry, which everybody hated, but yeah. it probably made them a couple dollars. Well, so anyway, uh, so back to the subject. Robert De Niro will probably see his career redeemed by The Irishman. Martin Scorsese, Al Pacino, uh, you know who else is in that thing? It's it's kind of crazy. Pacino's never made a Scorsese movie, isn't that nuts? Oh, I can't wait. I, I I'm I'm kind of really looking. It's a gangster film. It's yes. like, come on, guys, please bring it. Be what you used to be. And I, I, but I have this deep-seated fear that when they finally make it, it's like they'll all kind of be at half speed. And like it, Righteous Kill 2? Yeah. It, 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 oh, no. You know, they, but let's hope they still bring it. You know, let's hope they can all still bring it. That should be that, – that, 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 there's no reason why that should not be amazing. By the way, the story, the real actual story of The Irishman, you ever read the book? I have not. It's pretty amazing. It really is. It should be a great movie. Well, you know the what? thing that scares me is they reverse aging in the thing. So they're going to use all kinds of digital effects to make them look younger, which Lame. scares the day- daylights Lame. out of me. Yeah. Just don't be Black Mass. Like, Black Mass is the gangster film everybody yeah. thought would just be like the, the yeah. super home no, run don't be Johnny that. Depp. Don't be Black that. Mass, not great. Anyway, the, so the thing that mo- most annoys me in this is not just Robert De Niro and all of the just unbelievable in the gutter bad humor that's not funny, but it's like this whole really disgusting relationship between Aubrey Plaza and uh, Robert De Niro. And she, of course, is like a spring break girl who's, you know, got a thing for some old guy and she uh, wants to cares. bet him. It's, uh, like, it's horrible. Cares. Anyway, it's horrible. Forget about it. it you just don't want to submit. Uh, Subject yourself to that. Um, on the other side, on the the other side of the mountain, other side of the mountain. So we've got uh, there's some decent. I like stuff. this bra though because this is as close as I've gotten to a bra in like a year. <laughs> so, well, you really you know what? Keep it um, exactly. and and keep the condom too. Actually, keep the pills, Mark. <laughs> you can keep all of that. I'm gonna throw all of it away. Oh my gosh, it's just absolutely dreadful. Unless somebody wants it. Maybe one of our, our, our listeners wants it. I'll yeah, tell you I'm what. sure they do. It doesn't even have the logo on it or anything like that. No. It's just if you want a uh, if, if you if you want a bottle of pills that says "Dirty Grandpa" on it, uh, I'll send it out. Wait, yeah. you don't have to pay for it. I'll send it out. That's myself. fine. How should we do this? We should I don't say know. It's, do it's, it's, just a, it's just a, a prescription bottle of green pills sure. that says "Dirty Grandpa" unrated on it. Yeah, that's Be right. The fifth person to email us at gods at digigods.com with the uh, subject line "Dirty Grandpa Pills." 
Yeah, that's good. Mark Heitz will personally yeah. <laughs> put All these right. pills in an envelope and send them to you. Yeah. Okay, okay right? Perfect. So hang on. No, wait. The fifth person weighs so against this, but I'll pay for it. That's fine. The fifth, I'm just making this up right now. Sure. The fifth person to email us with the uh, 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 subject line, Dirty Grandpa, what did I say? Dirty Grandpa's Pills. Fifth person to email us, godsatdigiguys.com. Subject line, Dirty Grandpa's Pills will get this prescription bottle of probably green Tic Tacs. Sure. And don't forget to include your address for my <laughs> sake. I, no one's going to want it. Huh? <laughs> no one's gonna want it. Well, that's because we didn't like announce it or promote uh, it or anything. Yeah. I just came up with it. We have, box, we have a Vox box today, by the way. <gasps> yes, we do. Not yet. Oh. No. I'm, no, I'm yeah. keeping this dirty grandpa thing. I'm just I'm saying, fifth yeah. person, dirty grandpa's pills in the subject line. If you do not leave your address, you are disqualified. Fifth person, I will send that to you. Yeah, all right. So um, why do you hate that so much? I just it's whatever. So okay, so here's a good little here's a good little movie I want people to check out is uh, Jack of the Red Hearts uh, because it has not just the lovely Famke Jansen in it who has done next to nothing since they knocked her out of the X Men series. It's because she's uh, like fifty years old and she's still trying to be hot and, and you know and she's, she's a beautiful woman. Just don't try to just act your age. I saw her walking down the street once in Paris. Did I ever mention that? It's the weirdest thing when you're. I mean, it's wonderful to be in Paris, but then suddenly you go, "That was Famke Jansen." Just walk right past her. You know, she's been there many, many more times. A lot more times than I have. That's for sure. I'm sure. Anyway, uh, so she, but she's not the star of this thing. The star of this is Anna Sophia Robb, who was, who is now kind of growing out of her child star years and into being quite an amazing young actress and uh, much better of a, a much better actress, I think, in the long run than uh, any of the, uh, the 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 what's her name, the two sisters. Olsen sisters? No, 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 no. The 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 with the with the sisters. Yeah, from uh, the the. I don't know. Give me sure that. Oh gosh, the. What? Don't stop the recording. No, I'm not going to. Why am I drawing such a blank on the uh, two sisters? Uh, the uh, with the funny names. You know what I'm Mia talking Wasikowska. about. No, the. Uh, oh, Star Wars. My brain is totally frying from the. Name uh, one movie they've been in. The Sofia Coppola film. Sophia Coppola film. Oh, this is a moment, folks. This is a moment. No, they, they, oh, the oh, this is horrible. Don't stop the recording. I'm not going so wait, to. So wait, so the Iron Jack. The, the, no, yes, nowhere. Nowhere. Okay. Nowhere. Who, who are the sisters in nowhere? Uh, no, the, one of them was in nowhere. The oh gosh, I'm. This no, is just no, just go. Keep senility going. on a Sunday morning. I should have um, had hang breakfast. Hang on, I'm. I'm, uh, uh, I'm going to look this up for you right now, Rodney. Should have had I'm breakfast. I'm going to bail you out. Should have had breakfast. Um, what? Should have had breakfast. My brain's not working this morning. There, there were nowhere the, the the Coppola film. Yes, you're you're you're. Oh, helping. that's the Gregor Rack. Oh, great. Oh, this is we're not we're not going to cover a single title on this show. Wait, Sophia Coppola directed a movie called Nowhere. Unbelievable. Nowhere. Sophia, God damn it, I know how to type. Sophia. Unless it's somewhere. What was? It oh, I think it was somewhere. Somewhere. There it is. You fed me nowhere, and I ate. <laughs> That was all I had for breakfast. We're Bad dead. information from Mark fed to me across the table. Terrible. Oh, L. Fanning. L. Fanning. The Fanning sisters. <laughs> I haven't Thank thought you. about the Fanning oh, sisters gosh. in a couple of years. I don't know what they were doing. Well, anyway, they're good, you know, both of them. But anyway. <laughs> An- we just can't remember their name, but oh. they're fantastic. Anna Sophia Robb, much better. And uh, going to have a bigger career. So anyway, this is a little movie. All for- that for L. Fanning? It's like, man, I know. Even this worth is it. what this show is. It's a train wreck. But it's a beautiful train wreck. <laughs> So anyway, uh, Anna Sophia Robb, uh, really, really good in this. Plays, you know, she kind of toughs it up, plays a runaway, and uh, there's an inter- It becomes a, a, kind of a, a cool character drama, and um, dealing with autism and family and you know belonging and all of these interesting little um, all these interesting little things you know when when people fall into circumstances they didn't plan for and how do you take negative circumstances and turn them into something positive and that's what's really that's what's really compelling about this it's very heartfelt it's really nicely put together jack of the red hearts directed by janet grio who does a really really fine job uh most importantly handles her actors really really well so uh i think this is a nice little discovery and then uh let's see real quickly um since we've got a lot to talk about so just a few more other few other new movies um mark has just left the room i think he's just abandoned me mark where'd you go oh mark Okay, Mark's not here. No, hang on. Oh, there you are. Okay. I'm a hang on. Okay. Just keep talking about it. I'll keep talking. Mark, did you know there's a kindergarten cop too? It's all new. 
Yeah, it's all new. It stars Dolph Lundgren. Um, pretty terrible, I gotta say. I uh, it, it it tries to get the same mileage as the uh, first one, which is. Uh, which, by the way, I mean, we're way too long after the fact to try to get any mileage out of a sequel to a Schwarzenegger film that does not have Schwarzenegger in it. And uh, the idea of some tough cop played by a European actor with a thick accent who uh, has to balance being a tough cop with having kids climb all over him that he's not prepared for, that works once. It doesn't work a second time, especially when you're swapping an, an aging Dolph Lundgren in for uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime. Just does not work. Uh, so anyway, I, I guess maybe on straight to DVD, this is going to get a little bit of mileage, kind of, sort of, from people who have nothing better to do. But it's basically the same movie. I don't get it. Deleted scenes and a gag reel, and then and that's it. And it's just not very funny. Dolph Lundgren doesn't even he doesn't have the same self awareness. I mean, we've interviewed Dolph on this show, and he's a nice guy. But he doesn't have the same comedic self-awareness that, that Schwarzenegger has. It no, just it, doesn't. And there was a moment when, like, Jean-Claude Van Damme might have had that. He had I, this little bit of a blip. He does have it, though. He just doesn't know how to exploit it. He needs somebody else to exploit it for him. By the way, yeah. the New York Post yes. did an article on Jean-Claude Van Damme's daughter. Yes. Who was, like, smoking hot. Yeah. And is, an, is also a martial artist. Yeah. And you, you've, you've got to Google New York Post Jean-Claude Van Damme's daughter. Okay. Like that. And you will, you will be staring at really something pretty hot. Serious? And she, oh yeah. So is on. she is she a big deal? Is she doing movies? Nah, she's trying to. Okay. Uh, hang on. Let me show right. you. Oh, uh, I'll tell you what. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll finest hours. You know, Disney. I have to give them credit for doing a pretty good job on these mid-budgeted sort of uh, you know mm-hmm. family adventure films. Sometimes yeah. they kind of knock it out of the park on these. Now, finest hours a bit uh, middling. It stars uh, Chris Pine, who. Um, you know, Chris Pine was like the thing for like a second, and now he's sort of just like doing stuff. Uh, but Casey Affleck's in it too, as well, along with uh, uh, Ben Foster and uh, Eric Bana. Anyway, this is about this uh, rescue mission of the 1950s, four men, four Coast Guard troops um, trying to go out to uh, save a crippled oil tanker. And um, it's good stuff. Directed by Craig Gillespie. The, um, the characters are all stock types. Uh, the rescue stuff is all very professionally handled. So it's a very fastball down the middle, middle of the road adventure story. The DVD looks great. There's a bunch of um, special features on it, including something about the U.S. Coast Guard, which of course is always uh, is always worth it. So um, the rescue stuff really is the reason you're here, and all that stuff is very well edited and really well staged. It looks great. And Carter Burwell is one of my favorite composers. Uh, he just really knocks out of the park with the score. So yeah. Finest hours. If it's Saturday night, you got nothing going on. I guess you can do worse than um, you know the, than the completely acceptably average finest hours. Okay, so dementia. Hey, well, what, what was I going to tell you? I don't know. You're going to say something about uh, Chris Pine. Uh, I forgot already. You, he's, uh, it's like the all. It's like the all Alzheimer's show. Yeah. I was going to say something, and then I said I'll do I'll do uh, finest hours first, and then I forgot. Oh no! It was before the Chris Pine thing. You you got off onto a uh, tangent that I, I really uh, don't care about. I, so I just all right. So carrying on. Speaking of, we now have a movie <laughs> called Dementia, which is pretty much which is basically about what's happening right now. We're very meta. So <laughs> dementia is. Um, uh, dementia. I guess the best way to describe this is like this is a cross between misery and the uh, what's the Takashi Miike film with the uh, the woman who uh, tortures the guy just uh, with oh the audition audition right. So this is like a cross between misery and audition, and uh, you basically have a guy who's a war hero and uh, he's having Vietnam flashbacks and whatnot, and he has then he has a stroke. And on top of that, he's he he has dementia. So there's stroke and dementia. I'm not, I guess, the stroke from dementia. So the in any case, he winds up being uh, put in the care of a full time nurse who is horrendous. She is an absolute straight up psychotic. And that's uh, that's the movie. There you go. So uh, you know the whole Vietnam flashback thing. I don't know if they they really needed to go there. I I guess it it adds a little something. But anyway, is the film effective? Yeah, I guess it's effective in the same way that Misery and Audition were already effective, but uh, it's not really anything new. Uh, That's on Blu-ray from IFC, directed by Mike Teston. Never heard of before. Um, It's competently done. Can't say that I actually think that much of the script, which was written by Meredith Berg, but there you go. If if that sounds like something you want to have... For a nice Saturday evening sipping tea, by by all means, go for it. 
That's what I do on Saturday night. I sip tea. I know you do. And I watch bad movies like Synchronicity. Is it really? Is it bad? Uh, yeah. It's too bad. It, it, it has nothing to do with uh, the police uh, song mm. album, Synchronicity. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's about this. Uh, it, you know what? It's one of those films that uh, where you feel the director, Jacob Gentry, has seen all the big sci-fi films we've all seen, too, like Blade Runner and Dark City. And it's all about this, uh, this scientist who uncovers the secrets of time travel. And you can tell for... Um, for this guy Jacob Gentry, that the film is nothing but just a uh, a reel for his visual effects you know, mm. prowess, because there's all sorts of there's a lot of like you know weird camera angles and crazy architecture, and it looks very dystopian. And it's all you know, it's all you know, cement and and digital stuff, and it just it just looks it looks like a, just a, a show reel yeah. for him to direct like the next big science fiction you know tentpole, and that's not telling a story, so. You know, it, it, and the thing, too, is that when you uh, – it doesn't even look that great. It looks better on Blu-ray than it did on the big screen where it got a very brief release, but um, – and the Blu-ray is from Magnet. But ultimately, this thing looks fine because that's the only purpose it has for the director is to look fine, but the story itself is uh, not great. Ah, that's too bad. Okay, so we got a couple of a uh, couple of cool low budget jobs here. Uh, both of them decently done, despite having very few resources to work with. I always I'm always curious to see you know when you got films that can sort of make something make something out of nothing in an interesting way. Uh, the the lesser of the two, but it certainly has its attributes. Is Southbound, uh, which um, which is a kind of a it's sort of a it's sort of a, a an omnibus slash portmanteau horror thriller thing. There are there are actually uh five different stories that all sort of intersect. And the way that they the way that they sort of do this is actually very clever artwork. They show like a uh, a pentagram made of roads on the cover of this thing. And you go, oh, okay, I and then, you know, five tails. I get it. They're you know it, 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 I get it. Five scary roads, five different paths. Okay. So anyway, that's the uh, that's the issue here. Anyway, so five different stories of people who are uh, trying to find something, get away from something, find someone, get away from someone, and it all uh, it it all sort of goes south in really interesting and very stylish ways. Um, this is from the Orchard, who uh, is doing a lot of really interesting stuff lately, and a, and a good friend of ours, longtime publicist, just went over there to uh, head things up. So the Orchard is doing increasingly interesting stuff. Um, it's pretty stylishly done, well written. Uh, not going to appeal to all tastes, but it's um, I think it's decent. And then what I think is really really cool is Dusk, which is a very interesting little low budget thriller from Monarch about a guy whose wife is kidnapped and whose kidnappers lure him to presumably what is going to be the place where you know you have to pay the ransom and get a release and all of that. And he goes to the hoop, but the issue is. Is he all there? You know, he his sanity is somewhat in question throughout this thing. So um, that makes it interesting. It's the unreliable narr- uh, narrator trick that you often get in thrillers, which sometimes feels more like a gimmick, but here it's actually a dramatic device, and I thought it was done very nicely. So uh, that is Dusk from Monarch, um, written and directed by a guy named Michael Maney. Keep your eye on these people; they'll be uh, they'll be there for for a while. How to Be Single is uh, a bad movie, and I'm not just saying that because uh, I'm not a woman. However, I am single. But uh, anyway, this movie, which was very um, blandly directed by uh, Christian Ditter, stars uh, Dakota Johnson, who's very bland in this movie, Rebel Wilson, who I'm tired of already, Alison Brie, and Leslie Mann, who I kind of like. And it's all about these uh, women living in New York, and uh, they're trying not to be single. You know, one's the alcohol, the workaholic uh, doctor, and the, the thing is, is that this should have been funny. Well, it should have been with those people with that. It's, that it's cast. sort of this, it's true, but it's sort of this awkward hybrid between romantic comedy and you know, oh my god, R-rated girls just want to have fun and make penis jokes, kind of a you know. Comedy. Dirty Grandpa. They should have all met Dirty Grandpa. Exactly. We should have hooked Dirty Grandpa up with them and then not made either movie. And Rebel Wilson to me, I just she she just says to me, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna go there. And you love me for it, because I go there. And I'm like, you know what, just you know, you, you, you know where you can go? You can go back to Australia and go do TV, because I just don't really care anymore. You're she horrible. really ha- she really does only have one gear, doesn't she? Yeah, the I'm gonna go there gear. Yeah, that's it. And that's why you love me, because I go yeah. there. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> these uh anyway, it's just it's just not good. Oh, uh, it's too bad.
That's right. A couple feature ads that got deleted. The gag reel is funny because, you know, it's funny. <laughs> Dakota Johnson, though, I, I like her a lot. I, I think she might be limited in terms of range, but I, I do like her. She's turning out to be a much more interesting actress than really? I ever – Yeah. I think? I, I, bland. Now, now, that well, might be the director here because the director doesn't really bring much. I, I – I, I say that only not because she's done some amazing. She was work. very good, and she was the only good thing about Fifty Shades of Grey, which is a terrible movie. But she was like a breakout. The, well, in this it. is what I'm saying. I to look at her and to think, okay, you know, you got famous parentage and yada yada yada. Oh, there's and something a, there. Yeah, you know, and, and famous grandparentage and whatever. You you, you you know, you think, okay, fine. You know, you're sort of coasting, but then you realize, no, she's got some chops. Like there is something there. So I, I am curious to see where her career goes because I do think there's more there than meets the eye. I think, I think she might some... wind up doing like some European Best Picture nominee or something like that. Something where totally. she becomes like, you know, like Rachel Weisz or, uh, or Kristen, Kristen Scott Kristen... Thomas or no, no, the other one, Kristen, uh, yeah. not Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart. Yeah. She has those, maybe she could do those sorts of films. Kristen Stewart, I mean, who would have expected her after all this Twilight nonsense and getting raked over the coals for just being a horrible actress and suddenly she goes and she does a French film and wins like... You know, the only the, American actress to win the Cesar. To win the Cesar for okay. Best Actress. It's have just you, bizarre. Have you seen the trailer for Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk? Yes. I'm, I'm really into it. Are you? I am. Really? I feel like it's such an interesting... The, the story reminded me of a Clint Eastwood film that was totally... Do you remember when Clint Eastwood came out with, came out with two films at the same Flags time? Flags of Fathers Their Fathers and Letters from Iwo Jima, yeah. Right. I liked Flags of Our Fathers more than uh, most people because I, I liked the idea of how the media was trying to manipulate... Our feelings towards the war. I, now, this movie, Billy Lynn's Halftime Walk, Long Halftime Walk, it's the same thing. I, I realize that, but the trailer is a sort of creatively. The tra- it, it looks like they're trying to make a work of art out of the trailer as opposed to something that's selling me a movie. And I will look at the trailer and I go, it's a nice trailer. It's interesting, the cross cutting between the Super Bowl and the thing and the, you know, the, the war and all. <laughs> but I really don't, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. Gonna be good. I'm not feeling it's it. Be good. I know it should. It, it's it's bound to be good. It's Ang Lee. I I just I'm just not feeling it. Really? Yeah, I'm not All feeling. Right. It. Plus, it's a it's a it's a Academy aspect ratio. The trailer. It's very weird. Why do they do that? Uh, why do they do that? I don't yeah. know. Maybe not, it takes not, place during. Uh, it's not widescreen. No. It's a very strange trailer. Well, you know what? Well, here's the thing. Ultimately, the film will be widescreen. That's like uh, nothing but it's yeah, Ang but why, Lee. It's not gonna have. Yeah, I know. It's going to have and craziness. It's an odd choice. Okay. And then lastly, on the new movie subject, we did review Joy, uh, I guess a week or two weeks ago, whatever it was. We finally got our 4K Ultra HD of Joy, and uh, it doesn't make any difference. You, you, even the movie is just as much of a mess it's, in 4K? Well, it's, you know what, it's, it's just not, uh, I mean, you do get some uh, additional, you know, stuff on the 4K, but um, just in terms of, you know, the, 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 the audio selections and all that. But it's um, it just, I mean, I still like the film. I'm still one of the only people that likes it, but it's not one of, it's not one of those films that uh, you put in 4K and suddenly it just blows off the screen and you go, oh my gosh, it's just a it's night and day difference. It's, just, it's not that it's movie. It's more like afternoon and dusk difference. There you go. That's what it is. All right, Mark, um, let's get into some television. I'm going to start us off with some uh, Brit TV. I'm going to blow through some great Brit TV, okay? Are you good with that? You're gonna wear. You're gonna put a. You're putting the bra on. You, are you really? Are you seriously? Trying to make you laugh. Oh my gosh! I briefly the wore laugh. Yeah, laugh. Bad grandpa bra. Ooh. <laughs> Which, by the way, I could, I, I, I could throw this into the uh, into the. Uh... <laughs> that will make it so much more attractive. Okay, here's what I'm gonna do. To the fifth person to oh email us at uh, godsanddigigods.com go. with the uh, subject line "bad grandpa's uh, pills" also gets the bra. Yeah. It's a size four from H and M. Okay. I'm going to throw this in an envelope. Mm-hmm. Okay. So make sure you know that you're getting the bra too. So if you have like, if, if it's like a creepy thing where you're open up an envelope and there's a bra on it and it's like a weird thing, just know that maybe yeah, you should. Yeah, there you go. Or if you want, you can always say don't include the bra. So the but bro- I will include the bra. If you're oh. number five. <laughs> All right, broken wood. The broken wood mysteries series two from Acorn. Got a lot of stuff from Acorn this week. Uh, the Broken Wood Mystery series, series 2, this is a really, really cool new mystery series uh, on uh, British television. Got to check this out. Um, really great stuff. A lot of uh, – Twin Peaks kind of opened up the door on all of this things are not right in suburbia thing, right, where, you know, you bad things don't just happen in the, in the city. You can go out to where you think it's peaceful and tranquil, and that's where things get really dark and gruesome. That was Twin Peaks that kind of cracked the door open on that. And uh, a lot of series, British and American, have gone there since. By the way, new Twin Peaks is coming out soon. 
Hmm. They're, they're shooting it right now. They're done shooting. They're posting. You know, can I say something about Twin Peaks? Yeah. What? I never. Uh, well, you're gonna you're gonna get it on this one. Maybe man. I should watch. The, I never watched the show. Yeah. It seemed too weird for me. Like I feel like I had to be stoned or something to really. It's appreciate funny too. It. Looking at the credits, my my wife was just seeing. I mean, you know, we know half the people that are working on the show. It's all the same people from the Lynch crowd. But anyway, so uh, Brokenwood Mysteries is kind of in that same vein. Now this is this is not British per se. This is you know we're Commonwealth here, but this is uh, this is part of Acorn and. Uh, and you know their whole kind of uh, you know British TV vein, but it's uh, it's a great mystery, great set of mysteries. Four mysteries here um, it takes place in New Zealand, in the North Island, and much like you know you have that same feel as you had again with Top of the Lake, the Jane Campion thing, and um, it's uh, it's it's just really really well written and really well acted and really nice nicely put together, uh, good solid mysteries, and it's on DVD and Blu-ray. And then uh, also from Acorn, we got a thing called Mayday, which is, uh, this is five episodes on two discs. It has a really, really cool cast, including Leslie Manville, who I just absolutely adore. She can do no wrong for me. Leslie Manville has, you know, I mean, from her Mike Lee stuff, and uh, we love Leslie She was Manville. nominated for an Oscar for... She was. One um, of those Mike Lee films, I forgot. Yeah, yeah I, I can't remember which one was. Hang on. All of, uh, was it all? Well, whatever. All or Nothing? Yeah, I think it was All or Nothing. Yes, let's see. Anyway, this is really, really cool. Um, are you familiar with May Day? You know, the May Day thing? We call it Labor Day here, and we celebrate it in a different month other than May. We're like in September, whenever we do it. But, uh, you know, the May Day thing that was originally a communist holiday? Okay. Right, yes. So, uh, anyway, the uh, well, this, this deals with the, there's like a parade on May Day. And uh, the problem is, there's, there's well, we're into creepy village time again here, right? Maybe so she wasn't nominated. I could have sworn she was nominated for an Oscar. I did too. Well, maybe not. Hmm. This is this is our this is our dementia show. <laughs> really? That's what it is. This is our dementia show. We're wrong on everything. So anyway, this is the uh, blah, 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 blah. Nope, so uh, not nominated for an Oscar. Anyway, uh, you got a creepy village. It's May Day, and a teenage girl disappears. Uh, and uh, suddenly things get really, really dark. And uh, again, you know, it's that it's that really cool Twin Peaksy, top of the lakey, broken wood mystery weirdness out in the uh, in a place where you think that things should be right. And it gets really dark and weird and cool. And uh, I think it's awesome. Uh, I really do. So five episodes of May Day. Definitely check that out. Um, here's another great show. Absolutely great show. Uh, 19-2. 19-2. Season 1. Uh, you know what I love about I like this? the guy on the right. He's like, he's got his back to the camera, but he's, he's turned to... <laughs> he's, like, he's, he's looking at the person who's going to buy this, and what he's thinking, um, don't bother me. What are you doing? Who are you looking at? It's too tough guy. That's terrible. It's, it's really... This is actually really, really good. square-jawed, Christopher Reeve, Superman-looking guy. I know. This is really good. So we're back into Commonwealth uh, territory here. This takes place in Montreal, and uh, it's Station 19. Basically deals with, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the Montreal police. And uh, it's got a... This is a straight-up kind of uh, procedural... Really, really interesting. Uh, some very, very, you know, I, I don't particularly like a lot of Canadian television. There's a lot of crap on Canadian television because it's usually heavily government subsidized and financed just so that they don't get stuck with too much American TV. So you get sort of a lot of space filler up there. But um, this is really, really good. It's intense. It's well written. Uh, it's, it kind of captures, you know, the whole Quebec thing in a really interesting cultural way. So I, uh, I would highly recommend season one of 192. And then, uh, let's see, go through here real quickly, knock these last few out. We've got Dominion Creek, uh, which is uh, also from Acorn. Uh, Dominion Creek takes place in 1897, and it's uh, basically a Western. Um, fascinating uh, kind of gritty Western in the Deadwood, vo- uh, Deadwood mold, um, dealing specifically with uh, looking for gold in the Yukon. Really interesting. Uh, that's worth checking out. Then we've got, um, let's see, and then there were none. Agatha Christie, a new version from uh, A&E Networks that was aired on the BBC. This is on Blu-ray. And uh, if you know, and then there were none. It's one of the all-time Agatha Christie classics. It's been imitated a thousand times. This just actually has an incredible cast, which includes, among others, the great Charles Dance and uh, Sam Neill. 
Um, they are just absolutely superb in it. And uh, Miranda Richardson is is not quite as great as I would have wanted her to be, but she's she's also in it. It's just a great. It's just a really really first rate cast. So um, you can. There's no way that you can go wrong with them. There were none. Season three for a place to call home, which is the uh, a wonderful Australian family drama uh, that uh, continues to be compellingly written and acted and uh, very well nicely put together. Uh, I, I wouldn't call it. It's kind of like it's sort of I don't know uh, dynasty in Australia a little bit. Um, but anyway, it's uh, it, it, this is it maybe more kind of halfway between Dynasty and Downton Abbey in Australia. Anyway, place to call home. Really, really a good show. Continues to be really solid. And then uh, Midwinter of the Spirit, which is a supernatural um, procedural that uh, is fine, I guess. Um, good, good acting. I can't say that the whole supernatural part of it really, really works for me very well, but. Uh, I'd have to probably read the novel. This is based on a novel, so uh, it might be worth checking out. But, I mean, there's some good acting in here. Uh, Anna Maxwell Martin, um, you know, tries to kind of... She gives it a little bit of a cool sheen. But, you know, it's like... Sort of like, uh, I don't know, like an an exorcism horror thing meets uh, CSI. I don't know if that's really the right right way to put it. And then uh, Mr. Suffrage, the final season, season four. This is from PBS. Uh, this show was really, really good in its first three seasons, and then the fourth season just kind of was on fumes. It tried to piggyback a little bit too much on Downton Abbey. Uh, so Jeremy Piven now has to go find another job again. He went from uh, he, he jumped from Entourage into this rather ably and did a great job, but uh, we, it's time. It's time. Mr. Suffrage, Mr. Selfridge, however you want to pronounce it. And then a couple of Shaun the Sheep uh, releases here. We have season two of uh, Shaun the Sheep, the TV show, which is lovely. If you've seen the movie, go back, check out season two of the show, or season one for that matter. Uh, 40 episodes. They're all really short, though. They're short little vignettes. No dialogue. Great silent uh, comedy. Very creative. All the same characters. Really beautifully put together. Very, very fun stuff. And then a new release, Shaun the Sheep, uh, Sheep on the Loose. Uh, which is, again, all the same characters and an awful lot of fun. This is a little bit longer. This is 42 minutes. And uh, a, uh, a, I won't tell you, I mean, it, it, it all kind of plugs in beautifully. And those darn pigs make me laugh. So there it is. That's our, our uh, quick run through British and Commonwealth TV. Uh, Mark, what do we have on the regular TV front? Well, we have uh, Lou Grant, and I have a weird relationship with Lou Grant, which is not to say I've been sleeping with Ed Asner because I haven't been. But, um, you know, the Mary Tyler Moore show was one of my favorite shows of all time, one of the shows that made me want to work in television. And so there was a 30-minute sitcom, right? Yep. That's the Mary Tyler Moore show. Sure. So then they spin off Lou Grant, of which, uh, you know, Lou and Mary had all sorts of sparkling dialogue together, and he was the gruff guy. You've He's got like, spunk. You've got spunk. And we, I, I love that. spunk. <laughs> it was fantastic. And then, so what, what do they do? They take a 30-minute sitcom and spin Lou Grant off into a one-hour drama. They take a character who is effectively a grumpy, overwritten, comedic uh, foil, and they turn him into a straight-up, real dramatic journalistic titan and they completely change the character it's i mean he almost there's almost nothing in common except for the name and the job he worked at a well he worked at a newspaper yeah and which was weird and none of the characters from Mary Tallmore ever no. showed up although i think flo showed up like once but the, the the thing is it became one of the most successful tv shows of its time i know it, it was, was up incredible for like, a, like a billion primetime emmy awards like golden every, globes every year everybody it, it every year was a huge emmy thing i mean and it and it was really really well written and ed asner was terrific in it i mean it was a very strange transition from sitcom to drama but but i never got into it because when i was that age and i was very yeah. very young watching the mary Tallmore show yeah. and i thought it was hilarious. Larry's and funny, and then here's Lou Grant. Just you're like, I'm you not know, laughing. I'm not laughing. I don't want to watch this. <laughs> I know. But this is the first season on uh, DVD, 22 episodes, Shout Factory. Um, in new interview with Ed Asner, um, obviously much older now. It's funny, like when we were first watching the show, I would look at Ed Asner. Mm-hmm. You can see him on the cover of the DVD, Wade. Yeah. I was looking at Ed Asner thinking he must be 70 years old, right? Mm-hmm. Now you realize when you look at him now, how old we are. Yeah. We're probably older than he was in this shot. I know. Right, we watched the show originally. He looked like he was a million. I know. Now we're like older. Scary, than him. right? We're we're yeah. we're we're older. Yeah. Anyway, um, Mystery Science Theater three thousand. This is um, volume two. 
So we get this thing, uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, Volume 2. And everybody knows how much I love Mystery Science Theater 3000. And I'm looking at this going, Volume 2, well, they've already released like 20 volumes of this thing already. Why yeah. is this suddenly Volume 2? And I look at the back of the box, and it says, Take that, third-party sellers. Volume 2 is back in print and better than ever. I'm like, wait a second. So I go to my completely uh, comprehensive Mystery Science Theater 3000 collection, and here is Volume 2. Uh-huh. This is the one that I guess is out of print. Okay. This is the original one that was released in, uh, you know, whatever it was, 2002. Yeah. And it has the same – it's the same thing. It's just uh, much, much uh, slimmer casing. It has Angel's Revenge, Cave Dwellers, Pod People, Shorts, Volume 1. So if the one that I have with this cute little uh, – That's much cooler. But that's the thing, got the whole little wheel and the packaging thing, and wow. And if this is out of print, I should keep this. Oh, yeah, for sure. Instead of having this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because that's going to be valuable for collectors. Well, the only thing is that I, 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 like, I, like, I like watching it. Um, <laughs> So I guess I should just keep this one. Yeah, for sure. Now this now the the new one is better because the packaging is way slimmer. Well, it's the yeah, it's a, it's a keep case. It's plastic. It's you know, it's more durable. But you got you got a fun. So little... if you have your original Mystery Science Theater three thousand mm. volume two, you may want to keep that. Like I'm keeping mine because um, it'll be worth something someday. Right. Now, well, actually, I'm curious to see. Got all the got all those all those shorts on it. I've seen a lot of these actually. Well, the short here's the thing. Ed, Body care and grooming is very funny. The only um, the only mystery science. Uh, Why to study me, industrial arts? To me, That's the only great. the only mystery science theater volumes worth keeping are the ones that include shorts because the shorts yeah. were the best. A date with your family. I, I that I, was funny. Yeah. Anyway, so there you go, folks. So mystery science volume two. If you have the original packaging, which I do. Uh, you might want to keep that. If you don't, then you should get this one because the packaging is slimmer, which is always better for these shelves. Yeah. All right. So uh, got some uh, got some television to roll through. Classic TV. This is all really interesting stuff. So my friend Flicka. Which, oh my God! Y- you ever see my friend Flicka? That, you know what? My friend, my friend Flicka was the punchline for so many jokes of that era. Because <laughs> you know what I mean, like Bob, hey, like Bob Hope. Anyway, yeah, it was like my friend Flicka. <laughs> It's just terrible. Well, the movie My Friend Flicka was starred a very young Roddy McDowell, a little older than he was in uh, How Green Was My Valley, but it starred a very young Roddy McDowell, and it was lovely. It's a, basically a boy and his horse movie. Uh, you know, Flicka, Flicka. Roddy McDowell had that voice his whole career. So what I had never realized was that this was actually a TV series. Oh, now, yeah. I grew up on 60s television, okay, so... To me, every, anything from the 50s that wasn't Leave it to Beaver or, you know, Ozzie and Harriet, I really, that was all in Isle of Lucy. That was kind of it. The, a lot of the other stuff from the 50s I discovered later. So there are a lot of 50s TV shows that sort of just fell by the wayside that were not rerunning when I was growing up. And this is one of them. This one just completely vanished. And this is out from uh, Shout Factory, who mined it from 20th Century Fox. And uh, it only ran for a single season, 39 episodes. So this is the complete run of it, uh, and they turn it into a, you know, obviously uh, you do not have Roddy McDowell here. You have Johnny Washbrook, but uh, it's essentially the same thing. It's a, you know, he's, he's a little kid, and he lives with his parents, and he's, you know, turn, it takes place around about 1900. It's kind of sort of Western, kind of modern, not quite a Western, not quite modern, and he loves his horse, and that's it. And uh, 1956 to 57 is when it, uh, when it, uh, it, aired about a you know 13 14 years after the original film and um it's fine it it's sort of i guess i like it better than gentle ben or um uh any of the other animal kid and animal shows uh flipper was the other one you know i mean there were a lot of kid and animal shows at that time so i guess i probably like this better just because i'm not really into bears and i don't really have a great affection for dolphins interacting with humans. Oh, I but, used to love dolphins. I like horses. I like horses. They well, they they shoot horses, don't they? Oh, man, that was a movie. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Years season five continues to be very Wonder Yearish. These things, uh, you know, uh, keep getting put out now. Now that they've got the song rights issues all sorted out, so they released the whole thing obviously uh, a little over a year ago, and that giant. Uh, uh, 
locker case, and now we're releasing the individual seasons and uh, really putting the emphasis on all the great songs. And uh, the songs are almost, the at this point, really the only reason to, to go for this. So uh, a lot of great stuff on here, you know, the Archies and Frankie Avalon and... Uh, uh, Linda Ronstadt and Joni Mitchell and Muddy Waters. A lot of great stuff on here. Uh, fun show. Dates kind of poorly, I have, to, I have to be honest. Once you get around to, like, past one season of this thing, it starts to feel like it's kind of belaboring the point. But the, st- the music and the integration of the music is still terrific. Uh, Carol Plus Two, the original Queens of Comedy. This is um, the, a, a, uh, a television special that included um, Carol Burnett and Lucille Ball. And uh, a lot of people probably didn't even know that that happened, and it did in 1966, and it's actually really, really, really great. Um, It's a little weird seeing the two of them together because they represent kind of iconic comedy actresses from different eras, and their styles of comedy are not quite the same. But they mesh rather nicely, and uh, they add to this some really wonderful extras, including the 1972 Once Upon a Mattress, which was a TV movie that played uh, Car- that starred Carol, uh, Ken Barry, Jane White, Bernadette Peters, and Jack Guilford. And uh, then there's also a, uh, a little featurette that has Carol Burnett talking about Charwoman, which is uh, a character that she introduced on Carol and Company uh, in the 1960s. And uh, i got to tell you, man, it's kind of... It's just like a weird piece of history because I, 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 I guess I knew this had happened, but I was not thoroughly aware of it. But anyway, uh, Carol Burnett and um, Lucille Ball together in a great 1960s uh, TV special. And then real quickly, um, we've got the Red Skelton Show, the best of the early years, 1955 to 58. Um, really raw stuff, but lots of fun characters. Red Skelton is the best. The little bits on here... They, they probably feel unsophisticated by modern standards, but uh, Red Skelton is still one of the great all-time classics on TV. Uh, the final season of Facts of Life, uh, really this, this needed to kind of come to an end. So they, they bring uh, that to an end. Now you have the complete series of Facts of Life is out there on, uh, on DVD, season 9. And then the Beverly Hillbillies gets its digitally remastered first season finally released, including the original extended pilot episode uh one of the all-time classic tv shows this basically you know preceded green acres which is beverly hillbillies turned inside out and uh really great performances here fun stuff granny and jed clampett and jethro cannot get enough of this stuff this was this was like my time they came out with that this was my childhood let me see well the first season's been out before but it, it looked crappy they remastered it and then also there are a lot of Beverly Hillbillies shows, episodes that are not – that are in the public domain. You know about this, right? I never liked the show, although Buddy Epson was funny. There are about six, seven, eight episodes that are in the public domain for some strange reason. And they have been released in really, really bad copies from bad videotape masters at least 50 or 60 times by these little bottom feeder distribution companies. But because the, the show is in the public domain doesn't mean the theme song is. So – Every single one of them throws some kind of generic hillbilly music over the original theme song so that you can get away with releasing it without having to get the license for it. It's kind of cheesy. So this is what you want to get. You definitely want to go with the Beverly Hillbillies, the official first season, digitally remastered uh, for the first time. Looks much better than it did previously. So uh, definitely check it out. And the pilot is the pilot is really fascinating. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Yes. We have something very special to talk about. Oh, it's the worst show. So, oh Stephen Bochco, this is probably before many of you were even born. Stephen Bochco, we all know him, you know, Stephen Bochco, Hill Street it's Blues. It's amazing and, his uh, career didn't end after this. NYPD Blue and Doogie Howser and all these great shows. He was the king. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1990, he decided uh, that, you know what, he was done producing good shows. <laughs> and he decided to produce uh, one of the worst shows ever made. Oh which, by gosh. the way, is universally considered one of the worst shows ever it's made. It's truly dreadful. And uh, it's I just don't—I don't know what bit him. It's—it's it's just weird. Why would you? I don't know. It is a combination of a, a police procedural, which he did so brilliantly multiple times on primetime TV, and musical. So essentially, what we have is cop rock, and cop rock from Horrible. 1990 is a show that uh, combines procedural. You know, it's uh, cops in, uh, in in uniform, and it looks very serious, and they're solving crimes. And then every once in a while, they'll just break out into song. Because that's what they do on Cop Rock. 
And it's very funny because on the back of the box, Shout Factory's. It's funny. I, I'm actually surprised Shout Factory did this because in the back of the box they say, "Cop Rock is finally on DVD, a cause for both celebration and a long overdue reappraisal." Yeah, has no, been that's called one of the most unusual programs of all time. Now, it was not called one of the most unusual. It was called one of the worst. And this thing was canceled after like 11 episodes, and it just it, it became synonymous with failed shows. It, oh, that's like it, Cop Rock. It's legendary. It's yes. legendary. I'm very surprised that Shout Factory, which is such a cool company, and they do so much great stuff, that they didn't just own it. And see, like, one of the worst shows ever made they needed is on to. DVD. They yeah, it would have been funny if they would have done that. Because that's the way they promoted uh, uh, the, uh, the, the Jeff Altman thing, you know, uh, the, 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 the variety show, Pink Lady and Jeff. Oh, that's that how, that, how they did? Oh, yeah. When that, when that was released, you know, I mean, it's been a decade now. But I, that's one of my most treasured DVD possessions. I keep that thing in, the, in a safe. They released it as, like, come and see one of the worst television shows ever. They owned it. They promoted the hell out of that DVD as being basically the train wreck that you have got to see to believe. The only thing I can think of is if they, is if they didn't want to piss off Stephen Bochco in case yeah, they get probably. the rights to some of his shows in the future. Yeah. But uh, Cop Rock, folks, you, oh, you've got gosh. to see this thing to believe it. It is, it is literally one of the worst, uh, definitely one of the worst one-hour dramas. It, unusual, yes, in the sense that it was terrible. So the uh, you know the the whole Power Ranger thing really did not start with the Power Rangers. It started with Super Sentai, the original Japanese uh, Super Sentai series. And Shout Factory has now released. This is the third one. The first one was Super Sentai Zayu Ranger. The second one it's just like you know with like the Power Rangers. They keep coming up. The the second one was Super Sentai Gosei Sentai Die Ranger. And now we have Super Sentai Ninja Sentai Kaku Ranger. Well, that's that, that's what Haim Saban did. He bought yeah. hundreds of episodes of those shows, yeah. which were just available for pennies. And then he he shot new footage with white actors and intercut that stuff and kind of changed the plots a little bit and, uh, and it became a, a quasi a, 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 a multiple quadrillionaire. It's ridiculous. Well, anyway, this is the original, and this again the third one. This is uh, Ninja Sentai Kaku Ranger. Super Sente. Uh and it's it's you know it's no less ridiculous as a Japanese series, but it feels a little more cohesive because it is the original series. This is the way this stuff was supposed to be, uh, and you know it's all the same stuff. But you're not going to see anything new here. It's it's just you know legend. The costumes are ridiculous, but unbelievably cool at the same time. It's like people dressing up as toys. I, I and the worst special effects ever. So anyway, uh, I'm not going to recommend this for everybody unless you have a real you know fetish for Japanese kitsch television, kitsch genre television. You'll you'll get a kick out of it. Uh, wait, an interesting show that uh, probably slipped under a lot of radars is this WGN show called Outsiders. Yep. And Outsiders, which is an original show from uh, WGN, which is uh, bizarre. They've done a couple of original shows. Um, this one, it's funny. There was a documentary years ago called Off the Grid about these people who live completely untethered from society. They have little tent cities in the desert, mm-hmm. and they have absolutely no need or need for uh, uh, local governments or state governments. They just live the way they want to live, and that's it. And nice. Outsiders is like that. It is a fictional version of sort of that documentary off the grid. It's about this about this uh, family, and they live in Appalachia, and they're trying to uh, you know control their little area of Appalachia, and they are completely off the grid. So it's about Trump voters. Yes, I'm sorry, so, I had to go there. Good job. So all they do is they just they have their own rituals. They love him in Appalachia, customs. you know. Huh? They love him in Appalachia, you know. Of course they do. Yeah, I'm just saying. Come on. Um, and so I think I, th- I think this thing is pretty good. It's uh, there's definitely interesting uh, avenues to explore in a bunch of people who you know do whatever they want and are not uh, tethered to any sort of government control. And the good thing about it is that it stars David Morris. Nice. And uh, we always love David Morris. Love he's, David Morris. Yep, he's can do no wrong. Yep. He's he was great terrific. in the Will Smith film. You know that. Yeah, he, he was, was he was the one guy that made you think how terrible that 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 thing was. Because it starts with him. He owns that movie. He really does. I mean, Will Smith is great. But uh, no, but you've got to believe. Yeah, you've got to believe that he died such a horrible That's death. It. That's it. That it would bring that it would spur all of this controversy. Yes. Yeah, it and starts. It. it starts with him, and he he he. You know, he he really lights the fuse on that movie. He he hand, then he hands the baton. Anyway, The Outsiders, uh, really a, a movie that kind of slipped under the uh, a show that slipped under a lot of radars. But yeah. um, you know what kind of, And plus, you know what? How bad could it be? Paul Giamatti is one of the producers. There you go. How bad could it be? 
Uh, and The Travel Detective Season 2 with Peter Greenberg. This is a uh, one of those, you know, PBS uh, travel shows. It's actually really fun. I love travel shows. I don't know why. I used to watch the Travel Channel all the time. Haven't done so ever since I had a child because when you have a child, you don't travel very much and you don't want to really tempt yourself. But uh, uh, Peter Greenberg, who uh, you know is a, the travel editor for CBS News, really is just like he's not just a host. He's not just some guy that says, "Hey, now we're in Barbados. Isn't it pretty? Look at the women in bikinis and look at those nice beaches. I think I'm going to go have a mai tai." That's usually the way these travel shows go. No, he actually knows his stuff, and he this is helpful. This is not uh, mm-hmm. you know a, a travel show that makes you feel really badly because you're not able to be with the host. This is for people who want to travel, who need the information who want an expert actually guiding them to be able to replicate the travel. And it's, it's really great. Um, eight episodes here, and uh, they include all kinds of really, really interesting things like over-the-top airline seats, uh, training passengers like crew, uh, boating safety, Egypt tourism. It's, this, is, this is like a, a travel show for real travelers, and uh, it's good. It's really, really good. And he goes into some interesting places and, like, out-of-the-way, unusual gems to, to kind of go visit. It's really interesting. Good show. All right, Mark, um, in the little bit of time that we have left, um, how about some foreign? Let's, let's foreign rock some foreign, some foreign films. Some foreign films here that we've uh, neglected for a few weeks. One in particular I want to talk about, uh, The Cut, which is by uh, Fatih Akin. We love Fatih Akin, don't we? We do, yeah. We love yep. him. Fatih Akin is a Turkish, uh, German, well, German citizen, ethnically Turkish director who makes movies uh, that basically deal primarily with the experience of being ethnically Turk and uh, living in Germany. Uh, Head On was the film that really captured everybody's attention. Still, the one after that I liked a lot too. I did too. uh, Something can't remember. It was uh, it was kind of a comedy. It was sort of a a culinary comedy. But anyway, he's uh, he's a phenomenal filmmaker and. you know, head on. Gosh, that is just still edge one. of heaven. That was the one. Oh, I edge liked of heaven. That's right. That's I forgot the about one that. I loved. That is good. Anyway, he makes great movies, and this one is the cut. Uh, this is released by Strand. It's only on DVD, not on Blu-ray. Unfortunately, I keep hoping Strand will choose to release this. But anyway, um, there are now, despite the objections of the Turkish government, there are now slowly movies trickling out that are dealing with the Armenian genocide. Uh, none too soon, I would say, uh, over a century after it happened. Um, Turkish government continues to deny it and, and is not fond of movies coming out in, uh, that deal with it. But, you know, European movies in particular are finally uh, trickling out and, and wrestling with the subject. And this is his, uh, his attempt as, a, as a, a, an expat ethnic Turk who can look at it uh, somewhat objectively of um, uh, re- dealing with it. And this is, he actually considers this to be part of a trilogy that includes Head On and The Edge of Heaven. So, Soul Kitchen. That's the I, one I was thinking I also of. liked a lot, I too. like Soul Kitchen. Not as much as Head On. Yeah. But I did like Soul Kitchen. So, anyway. Very talented. Very talented guy. Yeah. So this is effectively, con- he considers this part of a trilogy. Uh, they're, they're not, you know, they're not really a trilogy there are three films that are incredibly different and uh, it's funny I've totally forgotten about uh, Edge of Heaven but anyway yeah it, this is um, these are these are very very different films and I guess in a thematic sense they, they kind of tie together but anyway uh, it's quite quite good and uh, it is about a guy looking for his daughters uh, after they are separated during the uh, act, the events of 1915 and uh, it, is, uh, it, is, it is quite moving and probably, I guess, I, I hate to say should be better than it is. I didn't like how it's kind of winds up in the United States at a certain point. I hope I'm not spoiling anything. But it's, uh, um, it is, by and large, a really, really good film. And so few good films have been made about this subject that I, I have to actually recommend it. Um, Antonia's Line won an Academy Ooh, Award. Yay. Remember this? Yes, great. It's a great film. Antonia's Line, Marlene Goris, Dutch film. Uh, this won an Academy Award in 1996 for Best Foreign Language Film. Film Movement has released it in a gorgeous Blu-ray as part of their Film Movement Classics line. And uh, it includes a, an interview with Marlene Goris from the time of the film and an essay about the film. And, uh, you know, it's uh, essentially about a woman who comes back after World War II to a small town where she's inherited her mother's farm. And uh, the unusual eccentric people in this nice little strange town and how she gets back in and she kind of, you know, switches everything up. And it's, uh, it is, uh, it is a, quite, a, quite a good film, actually. I interviewed Marlene Goris at the time, and I was struck by um, 
not only how unbelievably arrogant she was, but how incredibly unapproachable she was as a director. It was almost like, why am I here? Why am I bothering with you? She, it was not the easiest interview I've ever done. It was. It's, it's funny because she treated everybody else with the utter respect. Yeah. It was not the easiest interview I've ever done. However, she's a tremendously talented filmmaker. So I pass no judgment on her, but I do wish my interview with her had been easier. Um, let's see. We've got uh, Patricio Guzman's The Pearl Button on Blu-ray. Uh, Guzman, one of the, uh, one of the you know, kind of the shining star of Chilean uh, cinema, has done a lot of really extraordinary films, a, a, a genius documentarian in many respects. He, his movies are almost more, um, I don't know, uh, they, they're almost existential in some way. He doesn't just, he, he, he draws connections between things that ordinarily would not seem to have connections, right? He finds these existential uh, through lines in things that, ha- that are above and beyond the sort of linearity of most documentaries. And in any case, this one is um, looks at the role that water plays primarily in the uh, the history of Chile's indigenous population, and it's and how it's sort of you know the the role that it plays in colonialism and the history of Chile, and it's really unbelievably interesting. Um, you know, it goes through all the, it's sort of like the history of Chile through water. It's very. Very unusual and very interesting, and uh, and and really upsetting on, on certain levels. But um, you know, as we often know, water is control throughout the world. If you control water, you you know, if you control the waterways, if you control access to water, you can control a country. And that's kind of the history of Los Angeles too. It's you know, with, it's Chinatown exactly. So uh, really, really very interesting. And then before we run out of time. Uh, Confession of a Child of the Century with Charlotte Gensburg and uh, Peter Doherty. This is a, a Sylvie, Sylvie Verhaid movie from Cohen. It is uh, on Blu-ray. It was it, it can in the Uncertain Regard section. And um, it is based on a novel that most of you have probably never heard of, although I think it's a bigger deal in, uh, in France than it is here, obviously. I don't think uh, uh, Confessions of the Child of the Century ever was really properly translated into English. So in any case, um, it's worth checking out. It takes place in uh, 1830, and it's just one of those really, really dark, um, depressing, but interesting family dramas that deals with, I guess, very kind of uh, Alexander Dumas-like, like Victor Hugo meets Alexander Dumas. All the tragedy and the horror and the heartbreak that disrupts the, the lives of these people and all the fa- tragic, maybe a little bit of Tom Hardy in there, too. So it's worth checking out, mainly because Charlotte Gainsbourg is so incredibly good in it. And uh, Sylvie Verheid, I'm not that familiar with as a filmmaker, but certainly am now. So, uh, the, and Cannes going on right now. A lot, of more, more, a lot more interesting things going on at Cannes than here, so. I know. I wish I could be there. Yeah. All right. That is it for this week's show. We'll Don't see forget. You. No, no, no. Oh, no, no, yeah, no, 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 Mark. Go ahead. Pitch the, number the, the, five. the thing. You can have oh. the Dirty Grandpa uh, bottle of prescription pills, which, again, are probably Tic Tacs. And I will even throw in uh, the, H, the, the H&M uh, bra that they give you, the flowery floral bra. If uh, you are the fifth person to email us at gods at digigods.com, Put Dirty Grandpa's pills in the subject line, and uh, please include your address. You will so, get the pills in the bra. And because of our senility this week, we once again ran out of time before we could get to the Vox Box. Nope. So, next show. First we're gonna, thing out of the game. First thing. First thing.